When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. You know, escorts, they can even be, even though they call them professionals or whatever, they're also, are they also being like the high-end escort, like you see in Vegas and all that, and on the flyers on the sidewalk, call this number or this website, is that very problematic where they, they're working for yeah, somebody else? Yeah, so a lot of people believe that Vegas, it's legal. It's not legal in Vegas. There's one Probably. county. <laughs> There's a county. One county. And that's why those individuals are trying to get you in a limo or get you a ride over to that area where that's allowed. Um, and even in that area, mm-hmm. um, and I've been to the Bunny Ranch, even in that area, it isn't where we know that those people want to be doing that in the first place and that they're not also being traffic- trafficked. Um, just because it's legalized in that area doesn't mean anything. Um, so, yeah, definitely there's, you know, there's a high demand to try and lure, um, you know, the buyers to events and to locations. And it's all, unfortunately, what they're doing. Um, so that's why the problem's there. Wow. You, made, you brought up an interesting point, though, how other countries allow for these websites to go up. And like you said, Internet's open to name public to all, all around the globe. So any country can allow that website to go up. And there's not much the U.S. can do about it. And that's, yeah. that, that's yeah. very worrisome. If I were to send a search warrant to, you know, one of the escort sites, they don't have to comply because this is the United States and they're not in the United States. <laughs> wow. So. I never thought about that at all. That makes sense now. Crazy. But ha- somebody then, had to do something. So, Right. What's the average age for somebody being human trafficked to get out? Is it 21, 30, or they kind of wake up and go, I don't want to do this anymore? Oh, um, you know, unfortunately, the uh, there isn't a getting out of it thing. There is a life expectancy of maybe seven years for someone that's in it. So I don't know that they ever get out. Um, I've seven definitely years. seen that. But when we're talking about victims getting in it in the first place, um, you know, 12 to 14 getting in it. And that's, you know, that's actually lowered since I first started. And so younger and younger kids are getting involved and getting recruited and groomed. But also it isn't where someone, because I had a case involving a woman in her 40s who was a Department of Corrections officer, got fired, worked at a strip club, met the trafficker and became a victim in her 40s. So it isn't... Wow. <laughs> Even in age that I can tell you or a certain demographic. And to go with that, I have had, you know, kids that were in child welfare or in and out of foster homes, you know, very poor, impoverished, impoverished areas. But then I've also had kids who full ride scholarship to a university, parents or doctors and became a victim. So it isn't a demographic I can, you know, say there either. Sure. So, yeah. Anybody can fall victim to this industry. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. That's wild, though. So she was a corrections officer and worked as a stripper at a strip club and then met her, um, the guy that groomed her and got her in, in, the, in the industry. That's, that's yeah, wild. Yeah, there was a lot of drugs involved with that one. But that, you know, that's another means of control is drugs mm-hmm. with traffickers. 
not all traffickers, definitely not, because I've had um, I've had my own traffickers who have recruited me that, you know, didn't want me using drugs or others that have offered me drugs. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, as an undercover. <laughs> yeah, undercover. <laughs> Make that clarification. <laughs> yeah. Did you like being undercover? Was that, was that a blast for you, knocking down doors and all that kind of thing? Did you get, was that a rush for you? Yeah, no, no, no. I wasn't knocking down the doors. <laughs> no, that was what? <laughs> I'm the bait. I was the bait. No. You're the bait. Um, definitely. I enjoyed being undercover very much. Um, it unfortunately made me a really good liar. <laughs> <laughs> you got come up with reasons for things and explanations off the cuff and you know definitely made me a good liar but um i wouldn't trade what i did for the world because i definitely have had a very rewarding career wow thanks thanks for your service over there because now that we're talking about you kind of broke it down how the you know the correction officer went and became a stripper and then i just had a flashback of the movie taken i love that movie <laughs> and he goes after yeah. his daughter and just goes shoots a bunch of people and I'm like, that's not really how it goes, but you know. Yeah, that's not really how it goes, but at least that's a movie that brought some highlight to it back mm -hmm. then. Um, I was in a documentary. Our unit got filmed for three years, uh, Frontline PBS. It came out in May of 2019. It's called Sex Trafficking in America. And it's a really good depiction or an idea of what law enforcement's doing to respond to the problem. You'll see a lot of our undercover work in that movie. Um, I think I've but seen definitely that. there's other documentaries that are coming out more frequently. There's some survivor documentaries that are really important for people to see. I think there's one on um, stars right now. Okay. I forget the okay. name of it. That's pretty cool. And that, was that kind of a Netflix documentary or was that on uh, syndicated cable too? Or what was I, cause I remember seeing something about that. Yeah, it was frontline PBS. So I guess frontline is, is, you know, one of those documentary type. Uh, publications. Okay. Yeah. So they had a whole film crew while you guys were working, doing your work on your on your shift. Yeah, for three years. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> the reason it took so long is because they actually followed a case, and so that's a good example of it took three years for this case with this juvenile um, to go to the point where they took a plea, and that's really also a problem. You know, uh, why, why did that take so long? That victim went through so many times of showing up to court and then it was canceled or continued or they needed more info or, you know, and every time they have to go down there to sit in the courtroom and wait, um, you know, that's really something that we need to work on that we don't put our victims through all that. Wow. Did you get film credits on that too? Or they kind of keep that private for your own protection? On that uh, I think, thank you. well, I, I'm sure I mentioned in it. I think our names are mentioned in it. Okay. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's one of those things where <laughs> I've, I've been an undercover for a long time. So I get recognized. I do things to change up what I look like. So you'll see me in the movie with wigs on. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, because I get recognized because I've been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely um, it, it's a good depiction of, of, you know, the reality of the whole problem. So you train in MMA and mixed martial arts every day, right? You're on your own bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Defensive tactics. <laughs> you hang out with Dana White and Frank Mir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Defensive tactics. But I have got, I mean, the audience is probably curious, like, have you ever had your life threatened by a human trafficker? I mean, I'm sure you run into that in 25 years. 
So I've definitely had, I had one trafficker I put away for 20 years do a public record to re- request for my personnel file. Um, obviously they redact out my address, but unfortunately all of our information is out there if you just Google a person. And so there are or- other organizations that actually help first responders remove their information from the internet um, because of those things. But definitely I've had, I got a lot of enemies. I'm sure. In prison, I got a lot of people who don't like me, but that's okay. <laughs> that's why they give you a retired badge with a gun to protect yourself if, if and when they get out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. The crazy yeah. role with those criminals. Yeah, definitely. They, they, they have, they keep that personal and, and then they, I, I worked on a case in uh, Southern California. It was the, uh, a cartel that was in with a certain Indian tribe. I'll leave it at that. And uh, they had gre- the uh, the top gang members were in Pelican Hill, Pelican Bay Prison, locked up, and they green uh, did like a they call it green light of the principal that we're protecting, which means they had a, a contract hit for that person. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they have more power, and they get in those prisons. It's crazy how it works in the underworld of the gangs. And did you have yeah. much experience with that too? Well, I have experience with traffickers that have been put in prison or jail awaiting trial, and they're still trafficking. They're still doing it from in custody. And that's where. That's crazy. Well, it's 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 a dynamic, like I said, where some of their family members are also benefiting and depending on that income Mm -hmm. and also their children. And so, you know. It doesn't stop just because they're in jail. And that's a whole other problem. I've also got a lot of traffickers that I've arrested multiple times over the years. Like I had one that I've had contact with for three times over, you know, the course of 15 years. Why am I having contact with you, re-arresting you for the same thing? The, the ref, uh, you know, the reform and changing them in prison isn't happening either. And they're going right back out to what they were doing before. Wow which is crazy because you just spent 10 years in prison and you go right back out and, you know, six days after getting released, here you are trying to recruit me to go be your prostitute again. <laughs> nuts. Just nuts. Yeah. yeah. The way TV and movies depict it, once they go in prison, they get more power. They get their ranking, like almost like a military type thing. You know, I don't know what that dynamic is. I do know that traffickers are already by nature leaders or they think they are. And so it would be my, you know, evaluation that that that's something that they bring with them to dominate other people, just like they were dominating their victims. So I think that's a natural thing that they would do. Definitely. So a domination type of a tactic in their personality to control their environment. Yeah. I laugh because um, horoscope is something that a lot of bad guys And so that's an undercover thing for me is horoscope. And a lot of of traffickers I've arrested are Capricorns, and I'm a Capricorn also. (laughs) Really? Wow. What a trip. (laughs) It's pretty funny. I'm like, because we're boss people. (laughs) We're boss people. We like boss people around. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What a concept, though. Yeah. Are, are most human traffickers, are they kind of narcissistic personality traits too? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Dang. So they fall in one 
spectrum of personality profile in that aspect. And they probably have to yeah. be really good with money too. Well, I don't know if they're good with money because I've had traffickers blow through money like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> oh, really? Like millions yeah. of dollars in a day? I don't even know where it all goes. Dang. Yeah. Or a lot of it is funny money and they're, you know, showing stacks of dollar dollar bills on their Facebooks and their, you know, Instagram posts. And they really don't have that money. But it's perception is reality for, you know, some people. How much here's a curious here's a question that the audience probably wants to know is how much do a trafficker make in one day? That's a good trafficker. So there's a an evaluation of if you have one trafficker with three girls, let's say, and they all have a quota. That they can't come they back do. to the hotel room, like a quota, meaning you have to make a certain amount of money before you come back to the hotel room to shower, to change clothes, to eat, um, you know. And so that's all in, you know, that's all part of that control mm. to give them motivation to get that money fast so that they can go rest or get that money fast so they can get something to eat or shower or change. And so three girls, you know, $1,000 a day, $3,000 a day. You know, add that up all tax free. Potentially, they can make a lot of money. Definitely, with that evolution of law enforcement, the, you know, crimes have expanded that we go after them for. We're going after them for money laundering, illegal enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, we're seizing bank accounts, we're seizing cars, we're seizing Gucci purses and big P diamond necklaces and houses and all those things because. Um, those are all illegal, illegal gains that purchase those things. So, um, wow. that's something they were also doing that we weren't doing before. And so that kind of makes more of an impact in their life. <laughs> you squeeze that, that, that cash flow away from them. And they start freaking out and they don't know what to do. Yeah. That's the idea. <laughs> wow. So they can make three grand a day on average. Off well, just- I mean, that's. That's just three victims. There's traffickers that have more victims than that. That's wild to me. That's wild. And the audience is probably thinking, holy cow, they're making a ton of money just off of using a human being and manipulating them and threatening their life. And and I heard stories where some of these pimps, you know, they, they have kids, babies with these girls, you know, and it's like, and so the girls are getting leveraged that way too with their kids, having their kids taken away if they don't do what they want to do. Well, I've had, <laughs> speaking of leverage, I've had a trafficker call Department of Child Safety on their victim that they're exploiting, got the baby taken away, and then told them, if you make me this certain amount of money, I'll help you get the baby back. And it's their own kid. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a manipulation to the max. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, it's 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 a no wonder that victims are scared to come forward and that's you know that's another thing that people don't realize is all these numbers you google you know people are putting out stats there is no way to put a number on how many victims there are out there i mean there are there are victims that haven't come forward yet that we don't know about and that number i wouldn't even guess i wouldn't try to guess how many that is probably depressing just thinking about it yeah and then as, as Arizona gets bigger, but there, I mean, not just Phoenix, Arizona for the Super Bowl, but this is going on globally. I mean, around the world, it happens. And watching the movie Taken, you know, watching uh, Elon, whatever his name is, the main act, character there, 
But you know, there, you have rural leaders that are involved with this too. That are spending millions of dollars for high high end human trafficking. I'm guessing. Yeah, there's definitely, um, I'm sure, areas of trafficking that we're not even in because of the high price tag. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I don't, you know, we used to have, you know, the, the mafia, you know, the East Coast mafia. They you know, went over to Vegas. Everybody knows that history of Bugsby starting Vegas and all that. Is it kind of the same way in human trafficking where you have all that kind of cash flow and Many, many organizations have shelter like companies that protect that money for the human traffickers that the feds don't even know about. That probably goes on too. So a lot of what I know about, and I'm sure that that's definitely also going on, but for the illicit massage parlors, um, that's where I would recognize that kind of element going on with a lot of money being funneled through casinos and or other businesses and then back to other countries um, and, and, you know, other people from other countries actually controlling that whole scene. Um, that's, that's, you know, a federal thing that, you know, a bigger law enforcement agency works. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching too many El Chapo movies lately on the, yeah. the, the mind of El Chapo and how the, the organization huh. works and how they you know, traffic drugs. And now they're, they're realizing, Hey, there's more money in, Trafficking human now than there is a transaction for coke or crystal meth or whatever. And now they got fentanyl, which is killing everybody. It's just the underworld is just crazy to me. But now you have your retired life and your second yes. career, and you're a professor yes. there. Now you're a professor, adjunct professor. Um, so I I do teach other law enforcement um, for the National Criminal Justice Training Center, and I travel around the United States. And also do online training. And in my own business, I, I do law enforcement training as well, teaching them about how to do the undercover operations to get sex buyers and traffickers. Um, so that's definitely uh, what I've got going on. And, and I love every minute of it. I bet you're passionate about it and have fun doing it. Now, where can people find you? You have a website and all that type of thing too, right? Yeah. So achampforawareness.com. Yes, I'm using my last name, <laughs> unintended, a chance yeah. for awareness.com. And then Instagram is just a underscore chance underscore for underscore awareness. Um, and that's, you know, I post a lot there, um, you know, specific reactions to things like that TikTok um, that we, you know, witnessed earlier. And, you know, for your audience, it was a TikTok that I was asking for people to help report because there was an individual promoting the street track area for street prostitution in Phoenix and kind of, you know, inciting fans from the football games to go to that area to find prostitutes. And that's inappropriate and not okay. So <laughs> good job. I saw that. Yeah. I'll, I'll share that before the weekend has because I think the Super Bowl this is where you started the party over there, right? Everybody's getting wrapped up over there. Yeah, downtown is alive for sure. And also Glendale area too. Mm -hmm. Blowing up. Everybody's coming from all over the world. Yeah, it's a, it's a big event, and you know it, it's one of those things that's unfortunate that it gets brought down mm -hmm. by this activity, and that's why law enforcement's responding to it. Exactly, and for the audience listening, we'll have um, Heidi stuff on YouTube, and we'll be uh, 
my team will be putting that all together. You can find her on YouTube as well. And then we'll do it on LinkedIn when we post publish this. We're going to find, we're going to try and publish this before the Super Bowl, but my team there, they've got other podcast guests that they are managing as well. So we'll get that pushed out as soon as we're able to. That's all right. The problem will still be here. It's not going anywhere. So what are your hobbies that you had such an intense life in law enforcement? Do you, do you go golfing like many others in Phoenix, Arizona, or do you go hang out in the desert and shoot stuff? No, and I, I'm a cop that doesn't drink coffee either. How did that work out? <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, you know, as far as hobbies, just uh, hanging out with family, um, going on trips, traveling, those kind of things. Yeah. The travel bug, many trips to Mexico. No. No, you don't go to Mexico either. <laughs> yes, but okay. um, no, definitely traveling, trying to visit areas of the United States I haven't been to, um, you know, out of the country traveling, just not Mexico. <laughs> just not Mexico. What's yeah. your favorite country to visit nowadays that you've been traveling now? Um, you know, uh, obviously, uh, the Bahamas area. And that's all just, that's all personal, not, um, you know, any outreach or any training or anything, but. Most oh. of the training I'm doing is in the United States. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Are you, do you have, I would love uh, to go, you know, to Canada or, you know, to other, other countries. That would be amazing. Canada. Do you have any, do you, have you been overseas yet? Like the Middle East yet or Israel or? No. Uh-uh. Okay. I guess bucket list. Your bucket list. You yeah. got to fill that thing up. Yeah. So any, any, any advice to our military folks that might be listening or law enforcement folks getting out of the military, out of the law enforcement transitioning, that trying to find something to do. Maybe we have some female cops, female police officers that are listening to this. Any advice for them getting into what you do or uh, how, how to transition out of law enforcement? Um, so two parts to your question, okay. as far as, you know, female officers that are, might be wanting to become an undercover um, don't, don't be posting inappropriate images on social media. Um, unfortunately there's, you know, this young crowd that's, you know, selfies in the mirror with my police uniform and then another selfie in lingerie. And the reason why I say that and you're a girl and everybody knows it and it's okay. But the thing I'm saying that about is because defense attorneys can also get that information. And if you want your self depicted in lingerie to be shown to a court with a judge and the defendant in a trial, um, then I guess by all means continue that behavior. But if you don't, I suggest taking that down and being more professional and responsible. Unfortunately, when you become a police officer, it is your entire life, your entire world. And you're told when you start, you know, you're going to lose friends because you can't keep those friends anymore. If they're doing bad things, they're committing crimes, if they're drug dealers, you can't keep those friends anymore. Um, same goes with social media. You need to be professional there too. You can get in trouble as well as defense. Everything's open. The defense attorneys can get a hold of it. And even for a misdemeanor, when you're trying to get a, a sex buyer, you know, for his crime, you don't, you don't need a defense attorney to start bringing up your Facebook page in court. Um, so, you know, be responsible with that. As far as people transitioning, the second part of your question, out of law enforcement or, or whatever, I think LinkedIn is an amazing resource. Um, LinkedIn is where, you know, we met. Um, LinkedIn is right. definitely, you know, where you're going to, you know, get other job opportunities. 
meet other, you know, potential uh, employers, all of those things. So um, making your LinkedIn profile and your presence on LinkedIn, I think is super important for anyone actually that's transitioning from one career to the next. Yeah, for me, I know when I started uh, my LinkedIn thing, what, two years ago, before I even had a podcast, I think I only had 2,000 followers. Oh, and yeah. like, oh, now it's like with the podcast, that's, that I'm blown up. How has it helped you in, you know, your business and all that? Has it really put you on a different platform? Yeah, it's definitely helped me um, with getting, you know, I'm trying to accomplish outreach to other law enforcement agencies to get them excited about doing undercover operations because, you know, there's agencies that have never, never even gone after traffickers or sex buyers in their community. And, you know, they may be a small police department. They might only have, you know, one or two female officers, but I just, I just coached another agency in Pennsylvania and they had, you know, female officers from other counties next to them and they're doing a joint operation. And that's, you know, the whole idea is, all get together, all combat the problem. You can do it in each uh, little uh, county if you need all together and everybody get the bang for their buck and, um, you know, also combat the problem and create that fear um, for the sex buyers that they can't go there anymore because they might get caught. You don't want to get caught. Yeah, I would hope not. <laughs> but, you know, you brought up an interesting point, though, with the, the young law enforcement folks getting in law enforcement now, how... You know, they're posting, you know, very uh, modeling pictures and then they have pictures of the uniform and that they're trying to put someone away. That defense attorney is going to come after them with, with the gloves yeah. off and they're going to go after you. That should be something that you already are thinking about. Um, getting into law enforcement is a, you know, we're raised at a higher standard mm-hmm. and it's professional at all times. And that is not at that standard that behavior. Right. right. And, you know, and I'm only saying it, you know, not to talk bad about anything, but to protect yourself. Cause I don't want defense attorneys to be able to make us look bad. Good point. And I don't think people think about that. They just think about the here and the now. Well, I've had to coach a couple female officers. Have you? <laughs> Over time. <laughs> I wanted to work undercover with us. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> you got to clean this stuff up. As a senior female undercover officer, um, <laughs> Right. I need to do a lesson. <laughs> yeah. What's what's the biggest trait female officers have being law enforcement officers? I think it's communication, but there are probably many other things they're good at too. Their strength. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think their um, their communication and their ability to um, you know think on their feet as far as you know reading people and seeing what's about to happen. Um, seen through lies. I mean, women have that intuition that mothers do. or whatever you want to call it. So absolutely use it, <laughs> use it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They seem to be able to diffuse situations. I've seen, you know, my time experience, they're really good at diffusing a heated discussion. They're, they're, I don't know. They have that just natural way of putting themselves in position. They just almost take the ear out of the blend. Really quick. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yep, absolutely. Definitely a secret weapon. But yeah, any uh, parting words to the audience you have, Heidi? Like any uh, ideas, uh, suggestions, uh, words of encouragement to the audience that might be listening to this? Yeah, so um, definitely all we can do and all we've talked about this whole time is 
education and getting to know what the problem is, making yourself more aware, recognizing the signs, learning about prevention, and then where to report. And, and we really didn't cover that yet, but basically um, there's a national human trafficking hotline. You can call it, you can text message it. I believe it's in several different languages if you need. Um, and then local law enforcement always. Uh, if it's a problem happening right now, right now, that would be 911. And that's what 911 is for. And I'm not sure where people, you know, are worried about calling 911 and don't want to bother them. But that's what that's for as far as, you know, reporting and, and actually reporting. Just like you go through the airport and they are constantly over the loudspeaker saying, if you see something, say something. If it's an unattended bag, report it. Uh, same thing with, with this. If you see something that looks suspicious, We'll figure it out. If it is, if it isn't, at least we tried. At least we, you know, made an impression. At least we identified these people in case later on, um, you know, they are found to be doing trafficking. All of those things are only going to happen if people call and people report it. So, Yeah, I see that those signs all over the airport bathroom yeah. now. They're everywhere. So whoever did that, good job. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely some initiatives um, from lots of different states. And um, if you want to look at Heidi, you can find her on LinkedIn, and then we'll publish her website information on YouTube as well. And then when I do the uh, LinkedIn post, I'll, we'll have probably a YouTube short. We call it YouTube shorts. And we'll put okay. my team will put a little video clip on the highlights of the point of the podcast that we're doing today. And um, how many cases did you sit on in human trafficking? I know Stan said you sat on a lot of cases. Oh, I don't even know. It was, you know, obviously over the course of 14 years. So quite a few. Um, it's one of those where I'm also doing um, consulting or subject matter expert witness testimony. So if there's an investigation involving a trafficker and they want to bring in a blind witness to kind of explain what trafficking is, um, I'm being called to do that frequently also. So that's, you know, another another good thing that I've got going on. But definitely... Um, you know, putting traffickers away for hundreds of years is, is where we're at now. And that's good. And we need to get that word out there more so that traffickers you know, hear that and it's a deterrent and maybe they change career paths and, and do something different because that's their fate. I that is their fate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Much deserved what they did and destroying yeah. human lives. And folks listening to this, if you could give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or any pla podcast platform you listen to, that would help our rating system. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. And please follow Heidi on LinkedIn. And please check out her website as well. And check out her curriculum that she mentioned online as well. And thanks for tuning in, folks, and listening to Heidi's story on what the, that evil world is like over there in the human trafficking world because it's, it affects everybody. Affects everybody around the world, and hate to say it, but your own neighborhood too. You just mm -hmm. don't know about it. So, thanks for uh, tuning in, everybody. And uh, we want to thank Heidi for her time on the show. She's very busy, you know, living her second career and impacting the worlds and helping people who do not have a voice. Thanks for thank tuning you. in, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Fearless Mindset Podcast.